Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Oh Lord, I pray that that would be the words of our heart and not just words on our lips. I pray that this morning, Lord, we would be reminded how awesome and powerful you are. That when things don't go the way we plan or the things don't turn out the way we want, that we are still reminded that you are an awesome God who loves us so. Lord, I pray this morning as you, as we come into your sanctuary and we sing your praises, as we hear your word spoken into our lives, that we would begin to dig deeper, that we would begin to eat meat and not just what we're fed from others or a devotional, that we would dig into your word. No better time than now to begin in a, in a Sunday school as well. Lord, I thank you that we have brought us back together. That our groups are reforming. And Lord, I pray for those who maybe haven't made that step to stay. That maybe today would be the day that you would put on their heart. Lord, I thank you for your word. I ask that you would quiet our hearts today as we hear from you, that we would hear your voice in the scripture we hear. In your name we pray. Amen. This week we're in Ezra chapter 7. Now, mind you, I didn't read, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I want to focus on a few pieces. But that's why I get excited when you're reading during the week because then you have more of an understanding of the whole passage. It's like the first five verses. We're not going to read all those names, not because they're not important, but rather, you just, you, I don't really want to, to make fun of me for saying them all the wrong way. The point of the first five verses in the scripture is this for the writer Ezra to remind the people of his lineage, his background, who he was. And I'll start in verse six. It says, This Ezra. He's saying, this is the Ezra, I'm the Ezra, that came up from Babylon. He was a teacher, well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked, for the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. Some of the Israelites, including priests, Levites, musicians, gatekeepers, and temple servants, also came to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem on the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. For his gracious hand of God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to the teaching and its decrees and laws in Israel. Turn to verse 18. 
You and your fellow Israelites may then do whatever seems best to you. This is Artaxerxes writing a note to, to Ezra. You and your fellow Israelites may then do whatever seems best with the rest of the silver and gold in accordance with the will of your God. Deliver to the God of Jerusalem all the articles entrusted to you and worship in the temple of your God. And anything else needed for that temple of your God that you are responsible to supply, you may provide from the royal treasury. Swing to verse 25. And you, Ezra, in accordance to the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the people of the trans-Euphrates, all who know the laws of your God, and you, are, and you are to teach any who do not know them. Whoever does not obey the law of your God and the law of our king must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation, property, or imprisonment. Praise be to the Lord, the, the God of our ancestors, who has put it in the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, and who has extended his good favor to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials. Because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage and gathered leaders from Israel to go up with me. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Come to you this morning. And we ask that you would begin to fill our cup. It takes a part of us to bring the cup. And so, Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our ears and that we would hear your voice this morning through your words spoken so many years ago. That it would be fresh and new for 2020 for September, whatever it is, 27th, that today we would hear your voice and we would be willing to move, to stretch, to be able and to work. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. He won't run until we think That's good. <laughs> He's trained. He's he does well. That's all right. That's funny, but all right. Almost like if it doesn't happen. That's right. <laughs> I will wait, he says. So before I begin, I got I do have a question or a thought for you to think. Does anyone want the preacher to be a better preacher each and every week? The one that's here. Oh. Do, you, do you want that? Do you want to come and be spoken to and to have it be real and alive and fresh and good for today? Do you want that? Yeah. Church, do you want that? Yeah. Or do you want me to just, I'll just mull through this. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. It does matter to me. I'm joking. <laughs> I spent all week. If you want this to be real and fresh and alive, thank you, Sharon, for sharing what you said this morning. I didn't speak one word about Ezra 7 or 8 yet. But Sharon read Ezra 7 and 8, and God spoke to Sharon. 
So when she comes to church, and just like anyone, any of us can have that experience, she comes to church and she hears that scripture again, and she's been mulling that over all week, whatever it was, and not just Sharon, hopefully lots of us. That's why I encourage you to read during the week, because one, we didn't even go through a lot of that passage this week, and the problem, because there's so much there. Two, God works as we dig deeper. If you want God to speak into your life and you want this pastor to sound like he does a great job, do me a favor. Read the passage before you get here. We have tried and I have done, tried to do a better job of making sure that you know a week ahead. That's one of the things that um, I, I found out for me was helpful and there's a group of people who find out that that's really helpful to know what we're going to be listening to and to spend the week some time enjoying that scripture and, and digging in. And maybe you walk out of the, that passage of chapter 7 and you're like, I don't even know what's going on here. Great. Great. Come and hear and get a sense. Talk to someone else. Then after church you can talk about, that didn't make any sense, or that pastor ain't all that, but. God is all that. I'm excited for where God's moving us and walking with us through this journey of Ezra. I hope you're enjoying it. And let's be honest, for most of us, we've probably never read Ezra very many times. right? It's not one of those books that stand out like, you need to read this. And yet, I, I hope that you've seen how fresh and real and new it is for this year. Have you seen that? Has it felt that way? Because God's been speaking to me in that passage, in this book. Because it feels a whole lot like today, even though it was so many years ago. By the way, I just need to let you know that where Brentley left off last week on chapter 6, and we begin in chapter 7 today, we have spanned 58 years. Yeah. 58 years. There's a chunk of time there. That's a long time. There's a lot going on here. And as we work through this second half of the book, I want to give you a, a, this overview, an understanding of what's been going on. Chapters 1 through 6, what were we building? The temple, right? We're rebuilding the temple. God's people get this message, go back, and the kings have helped and they've rebuilt the temple. So now we're to a point where the temple is rebuilt. The church is rebuilt. We have a church building. Now what do we have to do? We got we to gotta do something with it, right? Otherwise, it's just a museum. It's a nice place where we leave artifacts. And that doesn't work very well. At least it doesn't work very well in God's plans. And so just so you know, we're going to start chapter 7 and go through 10 it's going to be a little bit of a rough ride. You want to know why? Because it gets a whole lot more personal in this last half. It gets a little more personal because we need to set, we have a temple, we have a building, we have a place to do it all, but now we need to get God's people in the right spot. And it's going to be a little bit painful in some of those chapters. Not a lot painful, but there's going to be some things that I believe in it, and we see it in Ezra's time, where, the, where God's people are doing things the wrong way. Sound familiar? Where God's people are, 
are, are struggling, but because of the consequences of doing things not God's way. And so 7, 8, 9, and 10 really look at God's people and getting them sorted out. Helping them to begin to make changes in their life that will help them to not be consumers of the gospel, but really to be able to give back. Right? So just so you know, there's a real shift in this, past, in this book. You know what the other shift is? There's one, more, there's one more thing that changed that's really big in chapter 7. And you may not have even noticed it. Does anybody know what the other change in chapter 7 through 10 is? Good. Glad you don't know. I know. I spent all week. You have not heard much about Ezra at all in the first seven chapters. You know why? Ezra wasn't the guy on the scene. Remember Zerubbabel? That nice, really long, big word starts with a Z. Zerubbabel was the guy responsible for building the temple. He did that part. And there's actually a line. So that 58 years is a line. There's a bunch of things that are going on there. Um, I think it's Haggai and I want to... Zechariah, okay, I couldn't, I know it was one of the Z's, and Esther is supposed to, all that's kind of happened in between chapter 6 and 7 in that time. So now there's a big shift. Now Ezra's coming on the scene. The guy that most people believe wrote the book, Ezra, that's why he has, his name is attributed to it. There's a real shift here. And this guy has got a different uh, responsibility than Zerubbabel had. Zerubbabel, I get a, a sense of maybe he was like a construction guy. I don't know. You know, like his job was to build. And now Ezra's job is to build people within the same framework, to put things back together. I hope in the next few weeks that you really begin to think about yourself in these spots and what you can do different to dig deeper. Please, 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 if you're going to, if you want to do anything, read the scriptures. There's a dilemma though. We're going to have to, I just, I told Brentley this morning, there's so much in chapter seven, there'll be a seven B next week because it's already 20 after and I haven't even started. Um, that's okay. I, I really was torn this morning, uh, finishing everything up and just trying to sort out like, do you hurry through it, or do you take the time to really dig deep when God has it? Um, and so I want to give you an opportunity to read chapter 7 again next week. Um, but, so we've worked, so I'm, I'm way behind. I don't even know where I'm at. Um, this, this picture tells us that they built the temple, but now we're going to work on God's people. We're going to begin to work on God's people and get them where they need to be, because you and I both know that if we're not where we need to be, God doesn't, isn't able to use us nearly as well. And one of the mi biggest misunderstandings in the faith, in my opinion, is this. We want to do big things for God, but we're not willing to commit any big time to make it to there. We don't want to do the hard work, the hard work of digging in our scriptures. I love that countdown because, I, because that guy, that's, his name is uh, Alan Parr, and he has a lot of YouTube videos. Really solid guy. And what I really like was, listen, he wants, we want to drink the milk and get to do the work of the meat. We have to be committed in our faith walk. We can't assume that we're going to walk in here for one hour a day and spend the other whatever it is, someone knows how many hours there are in a week, 
we do one hour a week and we expect God to work this major miracle in our lives. When we haven't committed our lives to God. Think about that for a moment. And ask yourself that question. Have I committed my life to God? Yes, we all, we, we will say, yes, I committed my life and I've been saved. But have we committed our life to doing what God wants for us? See, because this is what we do. And I'm just as guilty. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm just as guilty as the rest. I give God the things I want to give him. And I take back the things I'm not ready to give him. And then I say, well, God, you ain't working in that area. Uh, I don't want to give it to you. We do that, do we not? Why? Because of fear, because of pride, selfishness. Yeah, we're built. Um, if there's one thing I've learned in life, we're built selfish. Sin nature, selfish. Spent time with my granddaughter two weeks ago. Doesn't take very long to figure out everything is mine. <laughs> right? I built a, we had dominoes, and it was, we were playing around and making, building domino stuff, and she decided she didn't like that domino line. I didn't teach her any of that. Hannah didn't teach her that. We learn those things, don't we? You realize that Ezra was just a scribe. Does anybody know what a scribe does? They're a copy machine. Don't make them anything more than they are. They had nice writing, and they were good at copying things. Something very distinct happens in this, this spot in the Bible, though. At, up until this point, scribes were just scribes. They were people who copied the scrolls. It was important, but we know they weren't perfect, right? Because there have been, some, there have been scrolls that have been found since where there were slight typos. Uh, just like the bulletin some weeks and the new spirit sometimes. Because people aren't perfect. But Ezra was a scribe. So his life began as doing, uh, writing all these scrolls out, copying the scrolls. And just so you know, in the Jewish faith, scrolls, uh, the scrolls are treated even to this day as living uh, beings, living documents. When they get wore out and they can't use them anymore, they are buried and have a funeral service. It sounds kind of weird to us, but that's how sacred they are. I don't want to demean the scribe's job, but, but this is a very big shift in the scriptures because Ezra is not just a scribe. Scribes were not teachers up until this point. Ezra is a big shift here where he begins, he's got the responsibility. Obviously, he had this... Uh, Someone thought he was important enough and was doing the right job. Obviously, it was God. But he had done all the work beforehand. And I've got to believe that maybe he wasn't just writing the scrolls. Maybe he was studying them as he was writing them out. Maybe they was, it was absorbing into his life, which is what the Bible is all about, right? Absorbing that into our lives and changing our lives. And it tells us in 710, for Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. He had already done the hard work. That's not the work of a scribe. The work of a scribe is to write scroll after scroll. And 
And it says, the hand of God came upon him. What might it take for the hand of God to be on someone? Well, let me ask you the, a little more personal question. Anyone here believe that the hand of God is upon them? What's that? Amen. What does it take for the hand of God to be on you? It's a bold statement to say the hand of God is on me, isn't it? And yet as a believer in Christ, that's what it should be. What is it that we have? What is it that we need? What is it that Ezra did that the hand of God was upon him in the job that he was going to do? What was it? What, what magical, what magical uh, pill did he take? What, what was the equation? What happened that made it the thing? What's that? His faithfulness, okay. Obedience, I gave you guys the answer one mere slide ago. Amen. Study the word, practice it, and then teach it. It's not magic. It's work, but it's not magic. Ezra was, the reason Ezra went through those first five verses of telling us who he was, because he was from the line of Aaron, was to help us to realize um, that he had good genetics. It was also to remind us that he wasn't feeling all that secure about what he was going to go do. And he wanted people to remember who he was and where he was coming from. But the most important part was that he understood that he had done the work and continued to do the work. He studied the Word. He practiced the Word. And he taught the Word, what God had called him to do. I tell you all that to tell you that it's not works-based. I need to be clear about that. Our faith is not works-based. Scripture is very plain, very clear. It's not about what we can do. This is after we've made the decision to follow Jesus. This is the piece that goes on after. Scripture tells us uh, in Philippians 2, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I challenge you to take that verse and to read that uh, Philippians chapter 2 this week and ask yourself what that means if you're, if you're a once saved, always saved, or if you, uh, if you believe that they only have to call upon God one time, which is what Scripture... How does that work? Continue to work out your salvation. What does Paul mean by that? I spent a lot of time on that passage because I was really struggling with how does that fit with everything else? But when you start to look in it a little deeper you'll get a bigger sense, a better sense of what, what Paul's saying by continue to work out your salvation. Don't forget this, though. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For grace you are saved by, through faith. It is a, not a gift. It is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God so no one can boast. Do not forget that, church. It's not about works. It's not about what we put in the offering or the time we spend or uh, doing more, than, uh, more good than bad. It's not a scale. Not at all. Our faith is a gift. Scripture is also very clear about continuing 
to work out our faith. And the reason I tell you this is because I feel like we live in a world where someone says, I'm a Christian, I'll do nothing that looks Christian for the whole, my whole life, but I got the get out of hell free card because I said when I was six years old that I'm a Christian. I, I, I struggle with that philosophy, with that understanding. I struggle that I can say, well, I'm a believer, I, I know who Jesus is, but I make no difference it makes no difference in my life the way I live it. Scripture is plain. John 15, it tells us. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You know what we do with the branches that don't produce any fruit? We cut them off and burn them in the fire, it says. Not my words, but that's, that's what Jesus is very plain. You know what happens when you have these? This, this is a great picture because this is where we could go down the street and see this today. Nice big bunches, right? They look great. You know what happens when uh, you just let them go and nobody touches them till next fall? You know what kind of grapes you have? I, I'm not, an, by the way, I, I grew up on a grape farm, not a grape expert. I know some. If you want to talk to some, I am not. I, could ne- I was never allowed to trim because I wasn't very good at it. The important people trimmed. I got to pull the brush. <laughs> Menial labor. But you know what happens when you don't trim the grapes? Well, you'll get grapes next year, but they won't be as big, and it won't be as fruitful, and your tonnage will go down. You know what happens the next year? Even less. You know what happens if you let it go for... Five, six, seven years? That's what your grapevine looks like. And you know what Jesus said to the, to the disciples? This is what we cut off and we throw it in the fire. This is what we cut off and we throw it in the fire. Church, we have a responsibility not to sit in a pew, not to drink the milk, but to begin to eat the steak to dig deep into God's Word, to ask those questions. You know, pride gets so far in the way of our learning. We're afraid to ask a question because people think, well, that's a dumb question, right? God forbid if I go to Sunday school and have a, a silly church question that I don't know the answer to. I do appreciate those who call and ask questions about things during the week. I think, it's, I think that's valuable because obviously what I said today kind of stuck for the rest of the week. Even if you don't agree, I almost threw that. Did you see that, Roscoe? I almost threw that. Church, this is, comes out of Proverbs 27. It says, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend. You want to be sharp? You got to get in the word. You got to get in the word at the coffee shop. You got to get in the word with a few friends. Even if it's texting back and forth on the phone in Sunday school in a small group, there are Bible studies. There's a Bible study. The ladies' Bible study is moving to Thursday morning, 10 o'clock, Sally. Okay, just making sure. I thought it was 10. 10 o'clock on, on Thursday morning, ladies. There's a Bible study that happens every week. Uh, if you want more information, you can ask Sally. There's a, there's a group, it's by committee. But I, I'll, make, I'll blame Sally because I can see her. Her name was on the list. Wednesday night is going to begin. And you know what we do on Wednesday night a lot of times for, the, for prayer meeting? We spend about 15 minutes in prayer 
And then we try to spend about 50 minutes looking in Scripture. And one of the things I love about doing Wednesday night is this. We all come at the same point. I don't spend a lot of time preparing, uh, but rather preparing a direction. And we all jump in, and we look at the Scriptures, and we begin to dig in together. That way it doesn't feel like, oh, the pastor's got all the answers and everybody else has to listen. It's not that. It's really a group of people just sharing in the Word. Growing together, asking questions, challenging thoughts and ideas. That's what Sunday school is about. We just started Sunday school last week. You could start, there are seven or eight Sunday school, adult Sunday schools. You can start in a Sunday school no one would even know you didn't belong or that you hadn't been there before. I encourage you to dig deep, to begin to dig into God's word. I just can't, I can't. Ezra, Ezra did this simple thing. But he took the time and the energy to dig in. To ask God those questions. To dig and see where God was leading him. Mark mentioned prayer. Those are so simple. And when we sometimes throw them off as, they're just so simple. And we just, there's got to be something bigger. And yet, I challenge you to spend a certain amount of time, a chunk of time, whatever it is, daily, in God's Word and in prayer, and see if it doesn't make the pastor sound way smarter and the sermon sound way better. You know why? Because it's not that what I'm saying uh, anyone can say. Anyone could come up and read these. It's not what the pastor says. What Ezra's going to teach God's people is that they need to trust God, not people. That's the piece he's going to teach them. He's going to teach them that they've been going the wrong way because they haven't followed God. They haven't followed God's word. They're doing their own thing. They're following a man, or they, for them, they followed themselves. Church, don't get caught in that trap. We live in a world where there's so many lies and untruths. Did you catch that in there? And that Alan Parr says, listen, don't get sucked into the lies. Don't, just because it's on Facebook doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So that God can continue to work. His will. That's the second, that's verse 13 of Philippians 2. God who works in His will and acts according to His good purpose. You know what that means? There'll be a few things that we don't like. There'll be a few things that feel a little bit thorny and bumpy. There'll be a few things that feel uncomfortable. That's okay. The Scripture's coming. If you want to read to Ezra 10 through 10, great. Have at it. You'll see. If you want to read the end of the book before we get there, that's great. I don't care. You have what we're going to be reading. You'll see. There's a bumpy ride. There's some things that need to be changed in God's people's minds. In their way they're acting. And Ezra's the guy that has the responsibility to come and share that with them. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ... Reading this scripture isn't going to mean anything. 
That's what happens, right? It's like reading the wrong language. It's like reading a book and you don't have any clue. If it doesn't make any sense to you, maybe it's time to reevaluate where you are in your faith. Maybe it's time to reevaluate where you are in your faith. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for your word. It's so powerful and true. I thank you for that relationship you offer us through the blood of Jesus. Lord, may it not be something we just say in uh, words, in lip service. May it be something, Lord, that we say and do and act and we have lived our life through it. Maybe our hearts, Lord, need softened. Maybe there's areas, Lord, where we just need to work on. Lord, I praise your name for those this morning who have recognized your hand in this scripture. I praise your name, Lord, for those whose hearts have been tugged on. And Lord, those who feel a bit uncomfortable even at this moment. I praise your name for that. Because Lord, that means that you have spoken, that you have spoken to their lives and you are working in and around them. May we be a church of moving believers closer to you. May we be, Lord, not consumers, but rather people who are doing the work to draw others to you. Lord, our lives are examples, living examples of what you have done. May people see us and recognize you. Lord, I pray that our living examples would be honoring you in each and every uh, day that we live. That, Lord, we would strive to be a people of faith. That, Lord, we would take those things in our lives that need to be adjusted and work on them. In your name we pray. Amen.